You are now listening to the Think 180 podcast from Inc. 180 Ministries in Chicago, Illinois. Hello and welcome. Please stand by. You mind if we hear some tunes? Hey, that'll work. You got any Christmas music? This is Christmas music. 24th on Hollis Avenue, the dark. When I seen a man chilling with his dog in the park, I approached him very slowly with my heart full of fear. Looked at his dog, oh my god, a ill reindeer. But then I was ill and called a man at a beer. And a bag full of goodies, 12 o'clock at noon. So I turned my head a second and the man was gone. But he must have dropped his wallet back dead on the lawn. I picked the wallet up and then I took a pause. Took out the lights and then the cold said Santa Claus. Good morning, it's uh, Chris from Inc. 180 in Oswego, Illinois. This is episode 15 of the Think 180 podcast. As always, I'm joined by producer extraordinaire, <laughs> sleepy dad, Kyle Craning. All the above. Hello. <laughs> hey everybody, good morning. Good moment. So, uh, it's good to be back. We were off last week for the holiday and uh, it's good to be back this morning. we got a lot to talk about, so uh, happy happy you chose to join us. And, and thanks for everybody that's been sharing the podcast. We're, uh, we're getting some really good feedback and... Uh, that we're seeing people downloading it, checking it out. So thank you so much for sharing it. Please continue to do so. Uh, of course, that was Christmas and Hollis by one of my old school favorites, Run DMC. You can never go wrong with some Run DMC in the morning. Especially Christmas. for Christmas. Amen. That's right. So uh, I was trying to get them to do that at church, but I got vetoed. <laughs> so, But uh, lots to talk about. So we're just going to kind of get into it this morning. Uh, another week. Another uh, few folks named in sexual harassment situations, Matt Lauer, and I think everybody was like, oh my gosh, they couldn't believe Matt Lauer, and it's like, oh, you know, there's been some some grumblings, some things, you know, over the years and stuff. I mean, I'm not here to judge anybody. It's just, it's a, my thing is, it's an ongoing thing that people are, uh, you know, people who have been uh, victimized by this kind of stuff have a voice and they're using it and I think that's a really really positive thing that you know one of the things we hear so often is oh you know why are they you know yeah this happened you know 10 years ago 20 years ago why are they just saying something now is it because it's popular it's like no it's because they feel empowered and they have a voice when they were terrified to say stuff before I mean as someone who um, has not been a victim of any of this kind of stuff, you know, it's, it's a different situation for me to look at, but, um, with what we see in the ministry, you know, sex trafficking survivors, domestic violence survivors and, and stuff. And, uh, and here in their story, there's people who will never, ever be able to talk about what happened to them. And, um, mm-hmm. I think for those that are, are able to, to come forward and shed light on a problem that's been a problem for centuries or decades, you know, at least, um, sexual harassment in the workplace and sexual assault, of course. Um, it, it's it's great that it's being brought to the forefront and being talked about. Um, so yeah, Matt Lauer was the latest big name to fall, but I'll tell you one that um I heard this week too that surprised me a bit. I don't re- I don't really know a lot about him, but my my pastor is a huge fan of Garrison Keeler and the his uh radio show he had the Prairie Home Companion radio show mm-hmm. for years i think he just retired from it but he's been accused 
of oh, yeah. inappropriate sexual misconduct or whatever they wanted to call it on the newscast. You know, we don't know what's what and, and all that, but I, I remember I shot the message to my pastor the other day and blew him away. Mm-hmm. You know, cause it's like, that's one of those shows why I was never, um, you know, it was never my thing, but I know a lot of people that were really into it and it was kind of just a American you know, middle America thing that people were really, it was like a wholesome thing. And now this right. comes out and people are like, Hey, we're seeing that with a lot of people. I mean, I'm waiting for more names to come forward. It's like, you know, it's such a rampant problem in entertainment industry. And right. so many, well, there, yeah, there's definitely a huge problem out there with that. It's a huge problem everywhere. Right. It's not, you know, it's not just confined to poli- you know, politicians and entertainment folks and, uh, you know, whatever, but it's, it's a huge problem. And, we are we're certainly happy to see some light being shed on this situation in this country and hopefully it opens eyes and hopefully people that are doing this stuff are going to see how wrong it is and seek the help that they need to to no longer be that way and right. also for those who have been victimized by it hopefully it gives them their voice and they're able to uh to keep moving forward and and help others that have been victimized too so you know, one of the things I was thinking about <laughs> this morning as I was driving in, as we do these podcasts, I listen to them when I'm at the gym just to make sure I didn't sound dumb or say something dumb. <laughs> but uh, one of the things we have to figure out is how to transition from one story to the next. Because sometimes I was listening to them, we'll go from something heavy to something funny, and I'm like, I got to come up with a better way of putting things in order. But right. um, another, th- another topic that's been um, right in the forefront of my ministry for the last couple of weeks, especially it's come back into the media that I wanted to talk about is the Centoya Brown case. And uh, if you don't know who Centoya Brown is, she was a, uh, she's a survivor of, of sex trafficking. Um, she was 16 and had a pimp named Cutthroat. Yeah, it's pretty appropriate for a pimp's name and um, pretty, pretty uh, violent individual from all accounts that I've read, um, terrible human being, uh, but he was trafficking her and uh, I've got the, uh, the story pulled up here just so I can get some of my, my facts on this, but she was 16 and she was, um, they were contacted by a 43 year old man predator that wanted to set up an appointment to be with her to have sex with Sintoya Brown when she was 16 at his house. And she was delivered to his house by the pimp, went in, and uh, the, the uh, client was threatening her, had drugs in the house, was very erratic. She felt threatened. He had guns all over the house, and she picked up a gun and shot him and killed him. And... Uh, not sure how I feel about that, but um, they charged her with murder, and she was convicted of murder and sentenced to life in prison at 16 for killing a John who was threatening her life. <clears throat> now, <laughs> where do we go? Where do we go with this? Where do we go? Um, a lot of people will say, oh, well, you know, Nobody deserves to die. Okay. Um, I'm going to put you where she was at that time. This is a a 16-year-old girl 
who's been brutalized by her pimp. And she talked about that quite a bit during the trial. What he did to her daily. What he made her do daily. And what these Johns did to her every single day. Sometimes up to 15 times a day. She was taken to a house and dropped off by her violent pimp. Who made her go to this, this guy's place to have sex with him. This 43 year old man. And she felt threatened. She was scared for her life. And she reacted, and she shot him. And you know what? I would do the same thing. I would do the same thing. And um, I would do that same thing for a lot less, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Somebody breaks into my house, I have a weapon. I hope I never have to use it. Okay, so don't don't label me as a gun freak that's, like, waiting for somebody to break into my house. Okay, guys? (sighs) This young girl has been victimized not just by the trafficker not just by the johns she's been she's been wronged by the system and i believe strongly in our judicial system uh for the most part this is one that they got it horribly wrong and luckily this case is um is getting a lot of media attention it's getting a lot of media attention for a a reason that Usually, I'm not real big on celebrities. I'm not real big on this Kim Kardashian mentality that runs this country a lot of the times. But uh, pop singer Rihanna read her story and, and tweeted about it, and it started this firestorm. And this story is everywhere. And, and I love, um, and please don't take this the wrong way, I love when people send me private messages on the Inc. 180 Facebook page and alert me to stuff because... First of all, it tells me that you guys are in tune with what's going on and you're looking for this kind of stuff. And I love that you want to make us aware so we can make other people aware. So keep doing that. But I got, I got no less than 200 private messages on this story going, hey, have you seen this? Wow. And I think it's great. People are aware of it. People are becoming more aware of their surroundings and what's going on in the world around them. Mm-hmm. Um, this girl needs to be free. She needs to be an advocate. She needs to be recovering she needs to be getting help that she needs to recover from the brutal torture rape and everything that went on in her life um she is not a criminal in my opinion she needs to be out um we're going to be po- reposting the petition to get Centoya Brown freed um and we are working with other organizations that are that are doing even more like legal advocacy folks so um Check out the Inc. 180 Facebook page for more information on that. But I, I'd really ask for you to do some, some research. Her name is Sintoya Brown. It's C-Y-N-T-O-I-A. Last name's Brown. Common spelling. And uh, just check that out because if they can do this to Sintoya Brown, they can do it to anybody. And uh, this, there's, I, I'm just like, sometimes I'll see stuff in, in the news where I'm like, eh, okay, like, Maybe this is how the jury saw this. Maybe it you know, they didn't do a good job of presenting this or that. In all the, I've, I've done some pretty strenuous review work of this case over the last couple of weeks to see, like, I didn't want to put it out there and, and spout my mouth off if, if I was wrong about something. Like, I really wanted to make sure my, I had my facts straight on this. This is absolutely ridiculous that this girl is in prison. No question. There's no other way I can put it. It's inexcusable. Please go out there and, and uh, do your research. Post on social media to educate people. I want this firestorm to continue. 
Um, and it, it certainly is. It's picked up a lot of attention and, uh, we need to keep that going. Uh, transition to, uh, <laughs> something that happened here this week. Uh, it was pretty cool. I got a, a really great opportunity to, to see a friend yesterday, uh, Darlene Nauman and, uh, her son, Christopher was a client of mine. I was doing some, uh, some old life tattoo removals for him over the last, you know, I think I met, first met Chris a couple of years ago and he came in as such a nice kid. You know, he was, he was doing a lot of work in his life and, you know, he'd make, made some mistakes just like I have and just like we all have, but he learned from those mistakes and, and I was helping him, you know, remove the old tattoos from it and always laughed with him, always had a good time. And, and, uh, his mom, Darlene too, would bring him down for his appointments and, she called me, um, well, Christopher, let me back up. Christopher had, uh, unfortunately passed away last year and, um, you know, we, we've done a lot of things to kind of keep his memory alive. He's, he was just a bright light, you know, it was one of those clients that I'll never forget. And, uh, when he passed, his mom had these really cool magnets made with a bunch of pictures of Chris and, um, she blessed us by sending us one and, and it's on my workbench and right next to where I sit and tattoo all day. So. I always have Christopher here in spirit with us, and uh, she called me a few days ago and and asked me if she could come in for an appointment. And she had no tattoos, and uh, she was not necessarily a fan of tattoos before. Right, and uh, I think you know Chris was learning how to tattoo, and he was always trying to talk her into getting one. She was always like, "No, no, it's not my thing," you know. Kind of reminds me of my mom, you know, before, and now she's got like six tattoos, but my mom who condemned me for getting a tattoo on my 18th birthday. <laughs> but uh, anyway, she called me up and said, Hey, I, I want to get a tattoo on my birthday, which was yesterday, Friday. And so we set it up and she came in and she had a, a, a card that Chris had written for her and just said, love always Christopher. And uh, so I copied that and mm-hmm. tattooed it on her wrist. So she always had him, you know, with her and, but it was so cool. We had a great talk and, and uh, it was the first time I got to meet Chris's dad, and they came down yesterday. We hung out for about an hour and did the tattoo. And and uh, as always, she's you know when people get their first tattoo, she's like, "Oh, it's not that bad." But uh, she brought me a, a really cool gift, uh, a drawing that Chris uh, Christopher had done. And I'm a if you guys don't know this already, I'm gonna tell you I'm a huge comic book dork. I love my comics and. I love Marvel comics, DC comics, whatever, but um, it was a picture that Christopher had drawn. It's, it was a bunch of like my favorite Marvel superheroes, and she, uh, she framed it out for me, and I hung it up in the shop, and it's really cool because people always ask uh, when they come in, they come and you know, get a tattoo, or they come just to see the shop, and I show them back where, where I do my thing, and they're like, oh, this, all this artwork is so cool. Like, Did you do all this? And I'm, I'm always excited to say, no, this is a lot of this is from, you know, clients, past clients, sex trafficking survivors, former gang members that just, they just want to bless us with some of their artwork. And I was excited to hang up uh, this beautiful piece that Christopher had done to, to show it off. And it's just another way that we'll always have him here at the shop with us in spirit and remember him. And, um, you know, we'll get to see him another day down the road. So Thanks to uh, to Mrs. Nauman and Mr. Nauman for coming down yesterday. It was just a really cool day and a blessing. Got a lot of topics today. Um, my next thing I wanted to bring up is my friend, 
my my very cold friend from Minneapolis, uh, Kirstie War. Uh, she just finished her book, and it's called My Flawless One. Uh, she is amazing. She's a survivor of commercial sexual exploitation. Uh, she grew up. Her mom was an alcoholic, and she uh, Christie or Kirstie had gone through some just bad relationships, and you know some bad bad times in her life and she was dancing in clubs and and stuff like that so she's like I'm going to write a book you know she's an advocate now she does great work in Minneapolis and and the surrounding area to to raise awareness to human trafficking and help those that were involved in it and uh help them turn their lives around and she sent me a message uh, a couple weeks ago and asked me if I would read read her book and uh do an endorsement of it if I felt that it was good. And, uh, she sent it to me. She emailed it to me right before Thanksgiving. And I sat down, I read it and I don't read a lot for pleasure. I have horrible, horrible ADD. So it's very difficult for me to sit down and read for long periods of time. Uh, the only, the only book that I'm really usually able to do that with is the Bible. And, uh, so Kirsty sent that to me an email and I sat down and I got to tell you, I could not stop reading it. Uh, it was a super compelling book, really well written. Um, you feel like you're just sitting there having a conversation with her. And she's very open and very honest about what her life was like and what she went through and what brought her to that stage in her life and getting out of it and, and you know, where she's at and, and where she wants to go. It's called My Flawless One. It comes out in, in about a week. Um, and I was really excited to write her an endorsement for it and I was excited last night to uh to see that she had posted the the cover art the back and front and back cover art for her book and lo and behold my my little endorsement is on the back cover so that was really cool to see I didn't expect that but uh very cool book again it's uh, my flawless one by Kirsty Bohr uh, her name is spelled uh Last name is B-O-E-R-E-R. First name is Kirstie. Uh, but check it out. Uh, it's going to be coming out. I'm sure it'll be on Amazon and on your bookshelves. Uh, coming around be a great Christmas gift for people that are uh, passionate about the fight against sex trafficking and sexual exploitation. So check that out. Uh, next thing I wanted to go into was uh, just to talk about Christmas. You know, it's... It's always interesting to me the debates and the Facebook and the Facebook posts like is it too soon for Christmas and like I put my Christmas tree up at the shop a couple of weeks ago and people lost their mind they're like it's not even Christmas yet what are you doing I'm like it's my shop it's my tree mm-hmm. and then they started giving me a bunch of junk about having a black Christmas tree and I'm like I got to keep it a little bit heavy metal <laughs> I mean, it's a tattoo shop you know what I mean but uh, it's so funny how people get all affected by. Christmas being too early or whatever. You know what? My the, the way I looked at it this year is we've had some difficulties. We've had some some real down things dragging us down this, you know, last couple of months. Uh just spiritual attack, financials, and you know, things are tough. It's it's tough running a ministry this time of year. And so we wanted to inject some joy into things and we're like, we're putting our tree up, man. I don't care what people say. Who cares? Yeah. But um, what I wanted to talk about more than anything is it's Christmas season now. And, you know, we're getting ready tomorrow. We're going to talk about Advent, the start of Advent at church. And, you know, I remember my kids were like, oh, I want to get my Advent calendar. 
like why like well it's chocolate man there's chocolate <laughs> in it and i'm like well i'm down with chocolate too but you know what's it really about so we're we're starting something with our family that i wanted to talk about and kind of hopefully spread it around and and see if it catches on with people but instead of uh our advent calendar being about chocolate it's about random acts of kindness and i'm encouraging obviously everybody but um with my kids i'm really encouraging them to dig deep and see what christmas is really about what the spirit of christmas is really about and it's to me it's about helping people randomly just blessing people in ways that are big and ways that are small and it's so cool to to see my kids react to it and want to do things to help out and you know walking from our car to a, a store and, and there's a woman loading groceries in her car and you know she's kind of struggling a little bit and seeing one of my kids run up and help them load up their groceries or you know people always talk about oh I, I you know I bought the Starbucks for the person behind me I want to set off a, a wave of just kindness you know it's uh like one of the people that really inspires me is Ellen Mm-hmm. And I, man, I love how positive that woman is. And like, she's just got this infectious spirit of giving and, you know, people are like, Oh, well, yeah, it's really easy to do that when you're a multimillionaire and you have sponsors that give away things. And I'm like, no, no, no. At her core, she is a giver. And right. I think she's always been that way. You know, she just strikes me mm-hmm. as one of those people. And like, man, I want to be more like that. And, you know, some people are like, well, you, you give a lot, you give a lot, you run a ministry, you give up every day. I'm like, yeah, but I want to always get better. Like Kyle and I were laughing guys before we started this. I've had a really crappy week, <laughs> like really bad. Like I've had just, a, it, this week has been a series of, if it could happen, it did. And it was worse than even evil planned it to be. Right. And it just, it wore on me and just out there trying to do some random stuff. Last night we were at the Christmas walk and doing some cool things in the community. It it brings me out of that. And I think that the country, I don't, I don't think this, I know it for a fact. I mean, people are just in a bad place like I was this week and, and trying to dig out of it. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty right now in the country. There's a lot of disappointment. There's a lot of just hurt people out there. and um, going out every day with the the goal of trying to make some random person's day a little bit better. You know, you don't have to give them a car or give them a, a 52 inch television like Ellen gets to do. Mm-hmm. Like you could open a door for somebody, hold a door, say good morning. Like I've, I've read stories. Um, one of my friends, Joel Frieders is very passionate about the fight against suicide. And I've seen some stuff that he's posted where people have said, like, I plan to kill myself today, but somebody said good morning to me and opened the door and it changed my whole outlook on the day. Like, but it's stuff like that. It's simple. It's, it's easy. It's not, you know, you don't even have to spend money. You, You know, don't, don't tell me you can't do stuff to make people's days better because you don't have money. You can. It, mm-hmm. It's, it's really simple. It doesn't need to be this hard. You know, we, one of my things about Christmas is I love it. It's my favorite time of the year. I wish it could be Christmas 12 months a year. 
I really do because it um it just brings me joy just the symbols of christmas and the the spirit of christmas is what drives me though it's not about you know the radio station started playing christmas music too early man they couldn't start playing it early enough for me <laughs> i was all when 93.9 fm started playing christmas music in like october i was down <laughs> and my kids will tell you um i'm a big i'm a big believer in what buddy the elf said the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for the world to hear. And man, I don't sing well, but I sing loud. And we, we just need the, the inflection or the, you know, we need to bring joy into our day-to-day lives. And man, I've really needed that this week a lot. Cause it's been, I've had some really just down, down, down days. It's been tough, but um, let's go out and share it. Let's, let's do it. And let's, uh, let's do some nice things for people. I'd love to hear. I'd love to get emails or messages from you guys and hear kind of what things are going on and what effect it even has on you. Because, you know, as, as much positivity as it brings to somebody else's day that comes back to you. And, uh, it's just, it causes a ripple effect of, of happiness and, and positivity. And that's what, uh, that's what we want to see. So, Hey, like buddy says, there's room for everyone on the nice list. That's right. Yeah! Oh my God. Santa here. I know him. I know him. And man, I wasn't always on it. I would, <laughs> there were years I was like, I'm not getting anything. Not. <laughs> and I wasn't. I wasn't doing anything for anybody. I was, man, I was attacked. I really look back on my old life, like eight, eight and a half years ago, you know, my, my years BC, right? And I'm like, man, I, was a, I wasn't a good person. Mm-hmm. I just really wasn't. And, I was one of those miserable people that people would do random nice stuff for. And I was like, oh, man, that's really kind of nice. You know, it was cool that they did that. So let's, let's, uh, let's try to be that person to somebody. You never know the, the impact. I mean, if you would have compared me eight years ago to me today, you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe it's the same person. And I still have a long way to go. I'm like, I tell people, you know, this is a, it's a walk. It's not a, Hey, I'm there. I'm so not there. Like I'm not anywhere near what I want to be, but I'm working towards it every single day. And this kind of stuff helps me The the ministry, being able to work with people the way we do here helps me in that helps me get a little bit closer to God every day, helps me uh, just rebuild my passion about life and, and what I want to do and what I want to see in the world. And, you know, I, I posted a video this week on the Facebook page and it was one of those cool videos like a, you know, this person helped somebody and then they went on and helped this next person. And then, you know, one of those cool videos that kind of makes their way through social media. That's what it's all about. And you know, that's why we do what we do. It's just, and it's cool because we get to see then all these other ministries that we work with and other organizations and seeing what they're doing to help the community wrapped in love is one that I want to talk about and mentioned um, our friend Susie Bardo does great job, to, uh, great work to reach out to the homeless community and bless them. And uh, they did a great outreach at Thanksgiving and just being able to see that stuff is, is so cool. And it restores my faith in humanity in, in the midst of all this ugliness in the world. So let's keep that going. Um, I wanted to say thank you to everybody who donated on Giving Tuesday for our Giving Tuesday campaign. Uh, it went really well. I just wanted to say you know, I can't thank you guys enough. I've said it before, and I'll, I'll keep saying it. 
you guys are the, the gas that drives this ministry because financially, especially this time of year, our regular business is so off um, as all tattoo shops are right now, but our regular tattoo business is so quiet that the funding for the ministry really comes solely from those who support our work and donate. So I just wanted to thank you guys. Uh, definitely made a, an impact for us and helped us. Um, we still have some DVDs of the documentary available for sale, and that also helps pay for the ministry work. So if you're interested in that, give us a call. Um, but wanted to thank you guys a lot for that. You guys really blessed us, and I sent out sent out uh, some DVDs and and stuff this week to say thank you. So thanks to everybody who did that. Uh, had a another story I posted this week that caused some debate, and I don't, I didn't really mean for it to. I just thought it was kind of an interesting story. Um, as somebody who has lost uh, two of my brother-in-law, Joe and, and Michael, to horrible fights with cancer over the years, and um, DNR, do not resuscitate orders. Um, they both had those um, as they were going through kind of their transition phase. And uh, it was a hard thing to talk about at the time, and it was a hard thing to see. But I saw a story this week that intrigued me. It's this man had do not resuscitate tattooed across his upper chest. And I, so let me say, when I posted it, I knew that there was no legal bearing for a tattoo being a DNR order. I know that it has to be written, has to be signed and all that, and has to be attached to the chart. And I get all that. I just thought it was an interesting tattoo. and I wanted to, to see what people had to say about it. And it was cool. I mean, people were, people weren't ugly about it, but you know, some people were like, "Oh, it's basically suicide." And I'm like, "Well, I'm gonna tell you, as somebody who watched two strong men be just taken down piece by piece by cancer, I understand it. Um, but it, it it certainly does cause some debate, and people are like, "Oh, you can't just tattoo a DNR." I I know that. Like I've had people, I've actually had people come in over the years and ask me to do a DNR tattoo across their chest, and I explain to them like, you know, I'll I'll do the tattoo for you, but you need to understand that it's not legally binding. Like if you go into the ER and and you're in distress or you're you know, you're you're uh, coding out, they're not going to look at that tattoo and go, "Oh, well, he doesn't want to be resuscitated. We're not going to do it. It's not legally binding." So. I always tell people that um, not to discourage them from from that if that's their choice that they want a DNR order. But like, if you want to get a tattoo, it's not really gonna do anything. You know, they're still gonna they're still gonna give you CPR and they're gonna try everything they can do to bring you back. But um, a couple of a couple of nurses posted on it. And said, well, it does make us think about it and see if they have a copy of the order in the wallet. Sometimes people mm-hmm. do carry that. I guess some states, um, if you have a, a DNR order, you have to wear a bracelet or like a medic alert type thing. Right. So it, it's, it was an interesting conversation, but it was one of those tattoos that I always tell people, like, eh, okay, you can do, well, I'll do it, but it's, it's not the same as a DNR. Right. So. You should make sure if people who get that tattoo, they should make sure to have the proper paperwork, yeah. identification or whatever for the DNR on them at all times. Yeah. Because when you read that story, you know, the hospital ethics committee was all, you know, well, maybe we should just honor it and, you know, and it'll be seen as standing on ceremony and this and that and, and whatever. And they don't want to not honor 
you know, somebody's wishes, even if they can't find their proper paperwork. I mean, long story short, obviously those who read that story know that they were able to track down his legal right. paperwork. But I mean, if it's a matter of life or death, like, I mean, I guess if you have the DNR tattoo on you, I guess it means, I mean, you're saying very boldly what your situation is, but still, like you said, you have to have that legal paperwork and it just makes everything complicated for everybody because way too much stress and, you know, running around and stuff, you know, and it's just, I feel bad for those nurses and those doctors who have to come across those things, you know, I couldn't imagine. And then to not have that paperwork on you, it's, oh. I know. I was thinking about that. I mean, when I was reading this whole story and reading the thread and the comments that people were posting, I did, it did make me think of one thing, though. Like, it would be kind of interesting if people had, let's say they had a a DNR order and they had the proper paperwork and they carried Mm -hmm. it. Let's say they had it in their wallet. It would, it would definitely, like I said, it would make maybe the, the, uh, nurse or their doctor say, oh, I wonder if they do have this paperwork and check for it. But one of the things I also thought about was like organ donation. Mm-hmm. Like I'm an organ donor and I know a lot of people are. And my, my brothers in law were, uh, well, Joe was Michael couldn't because of the type of cancer he had, but, um, to do an organ donor tattoo so that if somebody did pass away, they could, somebody would see this tattoo and look for the paperwork to, or look at their license, which I think they just do anyway. So I don't mm-hmm. know. I could be just right. jabbering, but I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to check it out and do some research on it. Cause if that's the case, I'm going to do an organ donor tattoo on myself somewhere. Oh yeah. <laughs> because it's important to me. Like if, you know, God forbid something happens to me and, and I, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm able to, I, I want to use my organs to help somebody else. Definitely. Yeah. You know, something I've been kind of passionate about for, well, very passionate about for, for years, but, um, I was so disappointed. A lot of you guys that follow us, you know, kind of the health journey I've had over the last six, six and a half months, but, um, they thought I was having a stroke and I'm doing much better now. I've lost, you know, over 70 pounds. I'm feeling great and, um, getting my, getting my health back and, uh, rebuilding it as it were. Um, but I was so bummed because there was a a story about a man who a local man who needed a kidney transplant a couple of years ago, and I had applied to do it. And th- when they checked my health out, they're like, "I'm sorry, you cannot be a a donor right now for a kidney." And of course, there's a big difference between a live donor and, and somebody who's passed. But mm-hmm. I was like, "Well, why can't I? You know, I, like I'm willing to to do this." And I'm like, "Well, your health." You know, we have to look out for your health too. And I was like, so bummed. I was like, man, I mean, of course, you know, you got to be healthy. I want to be around for my family for a long time. And that's obviously the first and foremost uh, goal for my health journey that I've been on. But, um, and also I I got a lot more work to do and I want to be around. So, Uh, but also like, man, I would love to be able at some point to be able to bless somebody and be like, you need a kidney. Like I got an extra one and and I'm healthy enough to give it to you. So. Yeah, it's just another whole thing, but hopefully, you know, I'm about 30 pounds away from my goal and um, completely turned that around thanks to my doctors and thanks to the prayers of a lot of people. So, and a lot of hard work. I don't usually give myself credit for stuff, but I'll I'll give myself a little credit for that, (laughs) man. I've been working my tail off to get this back together, but, Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I just wanted to, uh, 
kind of wrap things down a little bit here, but I definitely could use some prayers right now for the ministry. I've had, I kind of alluded to it earlier, talked about it a little bit earlier. I've, I've had a really tough time lately, just mentally. I've, you know, I've talked to you recently about some of the sex trafficking survivors we've had in here and, and, you know, Jenna's story is still weighing heavily on me and, um, battling through some, some spiritual warfare and things are just bringing me down a lot of depression. Uh, could definitely use some, some prayers for that, um, for the financial blessing of this ministry. Um, had, you know, threat number nine. So, um, gangs around here aren't very pleased with me for doing gang tattoo removals and I don't really care. Um, if you're listening, I hope you are. Um, I'm praying for y'all. Uh, you threaten me, I'm praying for you. And I just need everybody to be praying for that. I don't, uh, I don't ask for this kind of negativity from the, from the gangs. I don't do anything to disrespect anybody. I'm trying to give people their, help give people their lives back and stuff by getting rid of those gang tattoos. And unfortunately these gangs just don't see it that way. So uh, we're seeing a lot of increased gang activity in Aurora, a lot more tags. We're seeing uh, Serenio tags, MS 13 tags. We're seeing things heat up here. And, you know, despite the, the cooler temperatures, um, you know, th- last year we had a very mild winter and I prayed for blizzards because it seems to be the only thing that stops this gang activity and the violence that we're seeing here in and around Chicago. Um, it looks like we've got another mild winter on tap. Now I say that we're probably going to have, you know, 19 degrees and blizzards next week. I don't know, but we're seeing, I, I'm getting reports of, of tagging and, and gang graffiti all over Aurora increasing. And, uh, you know, with, with more threats and, and more visibility to the work that we're doing, we're going to get more threats and, you know, it is what it is, but I'm praying for the people that, that, uh, that don't like me, that threaten me, that hate the work that I do. I pray for them. I pray for their safety and, and I pray for all your safety. So please, uh, just keep us in prayer for that. That would be fantastic. Um, I always want to, I'm going to mention this phone number every single episode now. And I, and I hope you guys can program this into your phone. It's the national human trafficking hotline. Uh, people ask me quite often, how can I, how can I report trafficking? And I have it uh, locked in my phone. It's, it's manned by, uh, well, it was the Polaris project. Now it goes straight to the FBI. Uh, but the, uh, the number for the National Human Trafficking Hotline is area code, is, well, it's 888. It's a uh, toll-free number, 888-373-7888. Uh, we have some trifold cards that we have here that we'd be happy to mail to you if you send us a message on the Facebook page or email me, chris at inc180.com, that uh, they're red flags to look out for, signs of possible human trafficking. Uh, and if you see something, you call and you report it to that number. It's anonymous. You don't have to give your name, your location, anything like that. You just need to give them the information, what you saw, and they will check it out. And um, we have heard numerous stories of trafficking victims turning into trafficking survivors because somebody made that phone call. So, again, the number is, shoot, come on, phone, 888 373-7888. You never know, you could be saving somebody's life. And uh, that's what happened with Jenna's case. A a customer in a strip club saw something and he said something. Mm -hmm. Ironically, a customer in a strip club saved a trafficking survivor's life. So do that, uh, if you will. Keep that number handy. 
and uh, save a life. Okay. A couple of announcements. Uh, my pastor, Jeff, and his wife, Marissa, are expecting their third child, and we're excited about that here in the next few weeks. And uh, Jeff and I have been talking. Uh, I'm going to be taking over the, the reins at the church for a couple weeks, give them some time to enjoy bonding with their, their new son and uh, with their, you know, just being with their family. So I'm going to be doing sermon series. I'm going to be doing some really cool interviews at church, at Big Life Community Church, which is uh, located at 197 East Washington in Oswego, Illinois. We meet there uh, every Sunday morning at 945. Come as you are. I wear shorts and a t-shirt to church, guys. And uh, we would love nothing more than to have you come to visit our church. If you're in town, if you're in the area, come check it out. We, uh, we're, we're very come as you are. Like I said, everyone is welcome. Um, we've all sinned, guys. And we, our church is a very diverse group of, of people who have gotten it wrong for a lot of years. And we're just trying to get it a little bit more right. So... Come check out Big Life Community Church. Again, it's 197 East Washington Street in Oswego. I'll be, um, I'll be posting more information as time gets closer with uh, the dates and stuff that uh, I'll be doing the, the sermon series at church. But I'm always there if I'm not traveling and speaking in another church. So come check us out. We've uh, got some great music going on for Christmas time. And uh, it's, just, it's a beautiful time to, to spend some time with God. Come on, check us out. And uh, we're going to close some close out with a, a great song. So just to preface this, I, I grew up in Los Angeles. A lot of you guys know that. And I'm a huge fan of old punk rock bands. And one of my favorite old bands has a very ironic name for my new life, but Bad Religion. And uh, great guys, great band, Southern California, LA band. And they put out a, a Christmas album that I think is awesome. And uh, I hope you guys like it. We're going to close it out with a little Bad Religion today. Have a great week. Go out and bless somebody today, guys. And, and show people what Christmas is really about. Be blessed. Come on, come in, man.